Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from a special Olympian from Winnipeg who just took home a gold and silver at the World Summer Games in Abu Dhabi in Bwachi. His name is Philip, and he's a great interview. Also, what went wrong with the Edmonton Oilers this season? Talking to 6.30 Ched Inside Sports host Reed Wilkins in Edmonton. Finally, Jeff Braun and I, every other week, the replay booth, we watch and review an old sports movie. It's Bull Durham on the podcast. The 2019 Special Olympics World Summer Games took place a couple weeks ago in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, and Canada did uh, very well. 155 medals, including 77 gold, and Winnipeg's Philip Bialk grabbed one of those in bocce and a silver as well in bocce doubles. Joins me now on the sports show. Philip, before we get into your experience overseas, why did you get into bocce in the first place? I tried it at a summer life skills program in my third of and final year, 14 years ago, the only new thing that I would try, and I liked it. And were you uh, really good right away? Well, when Joe um, offered to coach, a Special Olympics had asked him to, Back in 1999, as I read in the Winnipeg Free Press archives, um, he finally tried to launch in um, 2011, but there wasn't enough roster. So in 2012, he launched um, the Special Olympics Bocce League on the Mona Lisa Ristorante Italiano League, which we um, practiced. We didn't play on the league against other generic teams the first year because we were a new team to Special Olympics, Manitoba. So you uh, competed nationally. When did you find out you're going to be able to, to play against the world? I found out about it on August 14th, 2018, just um, 10 days after I won the gold medal round at the Nationals in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. And you got to go to Abu Dhabi. What was that like? It was hot. (laughs) It was very hot, and there are nice architectural buildings, they're people of diverse culture, and the food there was a diverse selection. And, you know, it was about unity. So to be able to to go there and compete with your teammates, your friends, what was that like? It was an honor. I bet it was. So did you expect to win gold, though? I wasn't sure, but I played at the best of my ability. I did not ask what division I was in, and I didn't want to know what division I was in. But now, I would like to know what division I was was in, whether it's the highest or the lowest, because that was my reward for playing to the 
the best of my ability, especially winning gold and silver. Do you have any tips for somebody who maybe wants to try out bocce? I would suggest that um, they... It's a game where you can play in your backyard, anywhere, like on the beach, on the street. How often do you play now? I play once a week. In the wintertime, I play on the Cafe 13 League at the Centro Caboto Centre. In the summertime, I play on the Mona Lisa Ristorante Italiano League on the courts alongside the restaurant. There's that side street is bears the name of Mona Lisa Ristorante Italiano on restaurateur Joe Grande, who is my Special Olympics Manitoba bocce coach who started Mona Lisa Ristorante Italiano and built his restaurant empire mini empire and you know he brought bocce to winnipeg i used to live around there i had no idea there was a bocce league there uh so that's that's where you work too i understand so when you got back with your medals what was the the response from your coworkers? they were honored to see my medals when i displayed them at work, wearing them on me. Well, that's really cool, Philip. Uh, congratulations again. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me today, and uh, maybe we'll be talking to you later on with some more medals. All right. Thank you very much, okay. Christian. Now, last night, the Edmonton Oilers were eliminated from the postseason, another disappointing result for them. Uh, Connor McDavid had this to say after the loss to Vegas. Yeah, it sucks, obviously. Just, uh, it's not good enough uh, all year. You know, we, we, uh, we let streaks drag on. We let, uh, you know, uh, times where, where we couldn't find ways to get wins drag on. Um, you know, you got to find a way to, to stop the, the bleeding um, yeah. quick. Um, you know, it's a, a slim, slim margin of error in this league. And, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are right there. And, you know, we uh, we did our best to, to stay in the fight, just uh, a little too late. It's been an insane season, you know. Um, coaching change, team change, good times and, and bad times. It's been a roller coaster. Um, it's been emotionally challenging. Um, it's been, uh, you know, hard mentally um, to to kind of keep uh, keep on going, you know. Um, you know, but we were always kind of right there. You know, we we were close, and then we'd find drift away, and it's frustrating. You know. I, we want to play in the playoffs as a team. I personally want to play in the playoffs. Not happy about it. Reed Wilkins hosts Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad in Edmonton. Reed, what is the feeling in Edmonton today? Well, it's a bit of a, a time warp, I guess. It's pretty similar to the mood four years ago and last year, uh, and probably many other years. It's 12 of 13 years out of the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure you've heard Connor McDavid's comments from last night about how frustrated he was. Uh, I mean, look, the, the team wasn't good enough. And a lot of the problems that we feared the Oilers would have going into the season turned out to be the problems that kept them out of the playoffs. 
they didn't have any depth scoring. I mean, they had two players over 100 points, and they just simply didn't score enough and, and didn't produce enough offensive pressure, didn't have enough players who could forecheck and get good scoring chances. And that was a big Achilles heel. And their goaltending was a question mark going into the year, and I think it still is coming out of the year. I think Miko Koskinen had a couple of really good stretches, but he had some stretches where he looked like, uh, at best, a below-average starter, and some nights he looked like an average backup. And also one thing that looked like it was going to be fixed coming out of last season and then turned out to be a major weakness again was uh, the penalty killing. I mean, the Oilers have the worst penalty killing in the NHL over the last two years. So all those were the three main things that added up to them being uh, out of the postseason again. Because to the person that might not know much about the Oilers, you look at this, the stats and you say, okay, they've got the second highest scoring player in the league with Connor McDavid, 115 points. Leon Dreisaitl is fourth with 102. He's He could break 50 goals if he gets three in his last three games. And this is a team that all year was kind of middling along and never really found a groove. They did it okay for a couple of weeks after Ken Hitchcock was brought in. Is he somebody that is going to be around for the long haul, or is this kind of just a Band-Aid for this year? No, I don't think Hitch will be back. I mean, he was brought in. I think that was a bit of a desperate move by then-general manager Peter Shirelli to try to give the team a bit of a boost, and it and it did work for a while. I mean, they were 9-2-2 two, and two, their first 13 games under Hitchcock, but that wore off pretty quickly they had two stretches of six games under hitch where they didn't win they had an 0-6 run they had another uh, spot where they went uh 0-4 and 2 you know hitch is hitch is tough to play for he has that reputation of uh being tough on players using some you know interesting tactics to try to to motivate players at times and uh, i just think it wore off pretty quickly on this group so no i, I don't think he's going to be back and uh, I mean, the, there's going to be a new GM, and he'll want to pick his own coach. I mean, that's often how it goes, too. So there'll be a new general manager, and there'll be a new coach. Hitch is under contract for two more years to be with the Oilers, and he'll be some sort of an advisor or a consultant like uh, like he was with, with, he was with the Dallas Stars. The Oilers basically adopted that contract and just put some coaching into it for this year. So... You know, I don't think Hitch did a bad job, but I also don't think he did a good job. I will give him credit for making some adjustments on the fly. I think there were some uh, things that the players didn't like, like the the frequent line shuffling that was going on before the All-Star break. Still happened afterwards, but it was less frequent than it was less severe. So, I mean, Hitch, is a, his technical knowledge of the game is, is still as good as anybody, um, but I just, I just don't think he's going to be back next year. I think he'll work for the team in some other capacity. Do you have any sense of where they're going to look for the GM here? Well, I think they'd like to hire Kelly McCrimmon if he's available, uh, but they're looking all over. Uh, Bob Nicholson has said they, you know, he's got a list of over thirty names, and those are just all possible candidates that you know might be available or might occur to him. He'll probably interview around a dozen people, and then I imagine there'll be second interviews for uh, for the top candidates. I, I think they're looking all over, probably a lot of assistant GMs who will want to take a step forward and have a, the post themselves. Um, you know, probably some ex-general managers who, you know, were general managers in the past or maybe recently dismissed from other teams. 
And I do think that, that Keith Gretzky will be a candidate. He's the current interim GM, uh, you know, assistant GM here, assistant GM in Boston. And he wasn't here a long time, but he made a couple of decent moves at the deadline when the Oilers didn't have a lot of wiggle room. He brought in Sam Gagne, and he uh, traded Cam Talbot for Anthony Stollers, which helped the Oilers activate Andre Sekhoff off injured reserve. So I, I would think that, I mean, I think it's just fair to give the internal candidate a chance. And if Keith Gretzky were working for some other team as an assistant GM, he'd probably be a candidate. So I, I think they're they're looking far and wide. I mean, Nicholson said there were some season ticket holder breakfasts and luncheons last week in Edmonton. That's where the Tobias Reader comment yes. came out of, but I got to attend a couple of those. And uh, he said they, in the whole history of the Oilers in the NHL, and that goes back to, you know, Glenn Sather being the, the guy running the franchise. In all those years, only one person had ever been interviewed for a general manager's job and not gotten it. I mean, even when Nicholson hired Shirelli, they won the draft lottery and they acted fast to bring in a more experienced general manager and, and, and push Craig McTavish aside. So they, they brought in Shirelli because they wanted somebody with more experience to take the reins with McDavid coming to the roster. So I think it's going to be, hopefully, it's as thorough a process as they can make it. And it might be a slow process because there's going to be some candidates on teams who will probably go deep into the playoffs and they won't be available for detailed interviews until after their teams are done. This is something they got to get right because this is a, a, a top-end talent that they have some, well, some of the players they have are top-end talent. When you look at McDavid, you look at Dreisaitl, but... You're right. the The depth of this team is a massive problem, and that's not going to be an easy puzzle to put together. Well, especially with their cap issues. I mean, I think if they had a little bit more cap flexibility, I could be a little more optimistic about it. But they're going to have, you know, depending on the final number for the cap, and we'll see what happens with some contracts. And and you know, look, maybe there's some sort of a creative trade or or a player with a limited no movement clause who they might be able to move and retain some salary. Who knows? but they're going to have about $8 million for eight players. So an average of a million dollars per player doesn't get you very good free agents. Now there might be a couple of internal solutions, but, but probably two max. They, they have a defenseman named Joel Parison playing in Europe that they like quite a bit. He's a little older. He's in his mid twenties. I mean, he might be able to step in and play the guys on the farm. It's a great season for the Bakersfield Condors. They had a 17 game winning streak earlier but still, I wouldn't pencil those guys in for the start of the season. I still think they would like to spend more time developing them in the minors. So that's that's going to be the challenge is negotiating the fact that the Oilers are pretty high up against the cap, especially for a team that isn't isn't a contending team. And again, to, to get back to the goaltending, Christian, if if the new GM comes in and is an absolute wizard and hits a home run or a triple with all his moves, it's not going to matter much if Miko Koskin has the 40th best save percentage in the NHL, and that's where he was going into last night's game. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason. I feel like we say that a lot, though, with the Edmonton Oilers, don't we? Well, I mean, look, they've, they're the worst franchise in hockey over the last 15 years. I mean, there's yeah. there's no other way to put it. Uh, I mean, I guess when you I guess you'd probably say Buffalo, Arizona, and Florida over the last ten years. If you had to pick four out of the off yeah, top of your Arizona head, Arizona made a conference final. Arizona, made, uh, exactly. Arizona made a conference final. Uh, I guess it's been a while since Buffalo had those conference final teams, but you know, and I guess Florida hasn't been very good. I think they've only been in one or two playoff series. But the Oilers, yeah, I mean, they've been in two playoff series. 
since 2006 when they made it to the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, I, I mean, you talk about wasting Connor McDavid. Well, I, I mean, the Oilers already wasted Taylor Hall. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Hall's not as good as McDavid, but he's a pretty good player, and he was a number one pick, and they were never close to going to the playoffs under Hall. I think the closest they would have been with Hall on the team was the lockout shortened season. They were actually in a playoff spot with 12 games left in that 48-game season. And then I think they either went 3 or 9 or 2 and 10 down the stretch. So, you know, yeah, I mean, sure, another interesting offseason, absolutely. We we. Yeah. We we've seen it before. Can can they make the the right moves to to give the team a boost like they did a couple of years ago? Well, Reed, I appreciate your time as always, and uh, yeah, we'll check in with you if the, they make a hiring and see what's going on through the summer. Thanks. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. CGOB Morning News anchor slash co-host of the Couch Potatoes, Jeff Braun, joins me to watch and review an old sports movie. Since opening day for Major League Baseball was just a few days ago. We figured a baseball movie would be a good call, but which one, you ask? You didn't want to do Field of Dreams because it was too warm and... Too warm and fuzzy and earnest, and the last we movie did we did is Hoosiers, yeah, so... So it's, I thought, <laughs> let's go a different way, and Bull Durham is most definitely a different way. Very much so. We So we try our best, if we haven't seen a movie before, to go in knowing really as little as possible. Yeah. And all I knew is that it's Kevin Costner in another kind of rom-com sports movie like we just watched Tin Cup about a month ago. So Same I director. Figured it would be a very similar movie. And it kind of was and kind of wasn't. It kind of was in the vulgar language. It was art. And yeah. uh, there was, a, there was a, a sex scene minutes in with the, yep. the, the, the young pitcher, Nuke Lelouch. I, I thought his name was going to eventually become Bull Durham. Oh. Yeah, we we didn't know the <laughs> the origin of that. It turns out that's just a name that pe- local people have for the the city of Durham. It's just a nickname for the city based on some tobacco company in the late 1800s. But yep. we get that out of the way. It is a very sexual movie, and really, it's told by the Susan Sarandon character. Right. She's the 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 narrator. narrator. Yeah, would Crash Davis be the protagonist, or is there really just like three key characters? Yeah, it's it's the the triumvirate of of all three of them, I think, together. Yeah, there's a lot of sexy saxophone music. <laughs> now that's a that's an '80s thing. They Late, put yeah, this is what uh, from '88, and it was weird because for like as erotic as it was, they seemed to go to distracting lengths to avoid any nudity right. in all those sex scenes. Right, but then right near the end, when she's in the kitchen cleaning up. You can see a breast, clear as day, like when her nighty shifts or whatever. Mm. Why'd you go through so much lengths to make the other scene? You know what I mean? It was weird. Mm. And you knew it was going to be an R movie anyways because of the language. Right. So I don't know. I don't care either way, but it was just very distracting the way that, like, how someone's arms were always blocking it and blah, blah, blah. I will say this. That is, drives me nuts. This is movies, probably the fewest number of notes I've, I've taken Same from uh, a movie. <laughs> I, my first question was, okay, so this character, her thing is that every year she hooks up with just one player. It's still on kind minor of league baseball on a team. minor league team in Durham, North Carolina. And the question came up from Crash Davis later on, what do you even do? What is your <laughs> job? And she teaches part-time at a local college? Yeah. I think she thinks she's a muse or something for right. these baseball players. Uh, there's other words I'm sure that people in town call her or mm. whatever. But I, I, I wonder about uh, STIs. Yes. And with Millie, the, uh, the other But between temptress. her and Costner, 
they did get uh, Nuke into into the show, into the big yeah, league. So they, it worked. Yeah, it must have worked because he was a terrible pitcher at the beginning. He was wild, and then the, he wore a garter belt, and he did broke, his breathe through his eyelids. His, then... his wind up in delivery. Am I wrong, or does that look like nothing like any major league pitcher ever? Uh, a little Louis Tiant, but yeah, you're right. It's kind of wacky, but yeah. every, a lot of pitchers have wacky deliveries, right. right? So that's that's not too I, unusual. I did like the baseball vibe of the whole thing. Like the, all those guys just live and breathe baseball and nothing else. And while they're very, you know, they they know a lot about it and they're precise about their tips and stuff like that. Nobody seems to be that worried about anything. It seems like it was, they're very relaxed and it's kind of laid back, right? And the the. Kevin Costner at the plate, that was amazingly well done. With yeah. His inner He's monologue. A, like he is an athlete. And just the way the camera was up close on him, the handheld cameras on I, the diamond. I, 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 really I did liked. like the kind of the thoughts out loud that he and the pitcher had. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Come on, meet. Annie. Annie. Annie, who's this Annie? Jesus, get out of the box here. Where's your head? Get the broad out of your head. Time out. Come on. Take your time. Get a hit, Crush. Shut up. I noticed that number 26, I immediately thought, that guy looks like he was in Hoosiers. Yep, Bobby. And he was. He was. David Niedorf is in both. And that continues our connection. Have we There's watched always. any movie that didn't have somebody from a different movie in it? I don't, I don't think so. Well, and again, Kevin Costner and director Ron Shelton. Right. right? So, so this but is, yeah, but it's like there's 30 guys in Hollywood then that are in all these movies. I will say the movie was... It felt quick. Like, it didn't drag yeah. on. All no. of a sudden, he's going to the majors. I'm like, oh, wait, this must mean it's almost over. And I check, and there's only, you know, 15 minutes left. And you say, okay, well, this is when Crash and uh, Annie get together. And yes. 80s <laughs> movies are good like that. Yeah, it goes fast. Um, Like Major League, there was voodoo in it. This I, is, I wrote that down, too. This is two years Jose after. Jose is, is, is Pedro for Major and League. This is two years after Major League. so The chicken bone and the curse. Yeah. So they should, there was another thing that uh, was, I can't remember what it was. It was cool. They had fun in the mud during the... The rain out kind of thing. The fake rain out. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, Crash totally had that guy at the plate that he was yelling at the umpire about. Oh, yeah. By 100 miles. That was insane. Yeah, bad calls happen. Okay, now just to get into the radio of it all, because all these movies always have a play-by-play announcer. That guy was, uh, he, I guess he was good for Durham or whatever. <laughs> he, he was definitely local. And then the fake play-by-play when they're on, on the, the road. road where he couldn't afford to go on the road or whatever. He just hits, was, the, hits the wood. Doing sound effects to the crowd That's a double. Yeah. While... while <laughs> His helper lady's getting the play by real play by play over the phone from somebody at the ballpark. Yeah. I guess that Why that they... cracked me up. I, my jaw dropped. I was like, "That is amazing." Oh, uh, what do you think about? I think our dancing Gabe's better than their dancing Gabe. Uh, the the baseball clown. Yeah, yeah. That guy was actually like a, a famous. Like he was actually. Oh really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, nah, dancing Gabe's more entertaining. It's a local thing. Yeah. Overall, the baseball in this was, I think, kind of minimal. Yeah, it was on the back burner. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, there's. These guys aren't playing for anything. In They're playing for... There was no big game, no, per se. exactly. Now, Crash got his home run. That Crash was kind of run. a minor little detail and didn't make a big deal out of it. That's what... I think that was the point of it. Is that yeah. It didn't get the deal made out of it, right? So, he didn't want So, that. yeah. So, it was him at the tail end of his career and Nuke at the beginning of his kind of thing. So... And there, even though Kevin Costner at the time was only like two years older than Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon was about a decade older than both of them. Yep. She was in her early 40s, and they were like 30 and 32. I was shocked to learn that she's like in her 70s now. Yeah. This movie is very, very, very highly regarded. 
among the people that care about these things. It's such an easy watch, though, and it's a good hang. You know what I mean? It is it's, an easy watch. I was I did that at the end. I was like, man, I wish there was like a, a Netflix show that was just about this team going throughout the year. Because like uh, Robert Wool was like. the assistant GM and the guy that played the real GM. Those guys cracked me up. I was like, this is a great show. You lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you? Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. What's our record, Larry? Eight and 16. Eight and 16. How'd we ever win eight? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I love these guys. Yeah. I don't know. I felt disappointed for some reason. Because there wasn't a big game. There was nothing at yeah, stake. Yeah, and I, maybe it was too much of the focus on the relationships, but that was the point of the movie, yeah. right? The point of it was not to be too much of a sportsy movie. It wasn't earnest. It wasn't this kind of epic based on a true story thing. It was just kind of this light, like the uh, replacements, kind of a light thing with a yeah. little well, more romantic side story for this one than the replacements did. The sports real estate are named it their number one sports movie. It's the best reviewed sports movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like ninety seven percent. I think it's because like if not specifically the Sarandon situation there, but the rest of them, the baseball of the movie, I think it just it just feels very real to what it would actually be like with a little more few more jokes in it. Right? I just didn't care for her kind of like smart booksy body science poetry muse <laughs> kind of thing. I just like okay, that's enough. I. I know that was the point of it, but I did not. I didn't think this was the best sports movie of all time, personally. No, me neither. I, I liked it. I liked it better than I, I thought it. I was going to like it. And I, I'm all like, well, so my thing is, I used to really not like Kevin Costner. Okay, but now so we've been doing this. So I was like, man, I really like Kevin Costner. He's so a handsome guy. He's becoming one of my favorite. He's a great actor too, and he's. I just his laid back demeanor. I just enjoyed. What about Tim Robbins? It was weird to see him as such a goofy guy because he's always so damn serious in everything he does, it feels like. So, right. So, he was, uh, so that was a weird. He was really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> that character was dumb. But apparently that's when Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon met. I would imagine so. And they were married for, what, 20 years anyways or something yeah. like that. So, so rating? Uh, I will give a Bull Durham. I will give it three and a half bulls out of five. I will give it... Six and a half wild pitches that could have killed somebody out of ten. Oh, nice. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts yet.